Hello, hello. Welcome to the Make It While You Fake It podcast. A podcast about running a custom furniture and woodworking business while also trying to start a community makerspace outside of Philly. All without having any formal education in woodworking or in business. I'm Dan Skirman from Woshop Woodworking and Monco Makers, and I'm glad that you're here with us. You're going to be intentionally vague. We've started. Uh, you have to be up on your mic. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to be intentionally vague. <laughs> so I actually like making money. Well, right. That. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. We're, uh, we're going to try this again because I think it went, went pretty well the first time. There's like a surprising number of people <laughs> that have come up to me. Out of nowhere, seemingly. And they're like, hey, man, I heard you on that podcast. Yeah. I've gotten the same thing. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. No, I love it. Um, really cool. Well, uh, we're going to keep this going because it's fun. If you want to uh, if you want to support the show and support the makerspace, really, um, have a Patreon now because why not? And everybody's doing all the cool kids. All the cool kids are doing it. And I'm always behind the times on the cool kids as I am now. Yeah. But let's, whatever. Let's be honest. Neither of us are hot enough for an OnlyFans. No. So. No. No, no, no. Patreon is. Yeah, no. It would. I'd be on only audio, please. <laughs> Just please don't show my face. I mean, that's pretty much what we're doing. Pretty much. Yeah, no. Video is not something in our, uh, you know, near future. But uh, for now, if you want to support the show. All the proceeds will be go. Uh, will be going to the makerspace, getting it open, getting it, uh, getting it up and running. Um, it's at Patreon.com/slash/MontcoMakers. Um, yeah, if you support the show, you know I'll say your name because the millions of people who are listening out there will hear your name. Do you have actual stats one week out? How many people listened to the first episode? I do. How many? We're in the fifties and sixties. Wow, double digits. Yo, I know, right? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, gotta start somewhere. That, that's, I mean, we're pretty much at the bottom. So, true. That's fair. <laughs> but you know, um, recently been talking to Mike, other guy in the shop. Um, he's been really, he's been really pushing these week long, more advanced classes as kind of a, a good business venture. Um, and honestly, I'm I'm kind of on board because. I was saying in the um, I was saying in the podcast I was on yesterday, um, which is uh, making problems to solve. If you want to check that out from uh, Dave Bauer, nice guy. Um, but it's like guys like Greg Pennington down in Nashville, like the um, he does the Windsor chairs, and God, I love a good Windsor chair. It's awesome. So you're going everything from a fro and a log for spindles all the way to the finished thing they do those the first day they throw them in a kiln they let them sit for two three days and then they come back and they finish it when the rest of the chair is pretty much ready for it um it's actually really cool um but a class like that i like that's something that i would fly to nashville and be willing to stay over to do it because i've never done anything like that i think that would be really cool um that's also a class that like as as anyone who has taken that class, it's so cool while you're there because he literally built a house, like a little a little cabin just for this class. Um, 
the the problem is once you're not in the classroom i think it's trying to make another one yourself is oh, like yeah. leaps and bounds you're not even close yes. you don't have half the tools you don't have most of the tools um so it's it's more of an experience that i can get through a process with instruction um so i'm not sure if I, like I, I really like the allure of those classes. I've wanted to go take that class specifically. Um, the one, the one in California. Um, what's his name? Yori or um, I forget what's his Yuri. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely, I might have butchered that, but I'm pretty butchered. sure that's like the gist of his name. It's like those classes. I mean, he also is in a spot where his shop is just gorgeous. He's in like he's, the he's, hills of California. Yeah, it's his shop. If I remember correctly, is on we're part of a vineyard we're right next to a vineyard yeah it's just gorgeous and it has some of the craziest views ever that's the thing because that's that's like that's as much of a vacation for somebody to go out there just from the scenery and the experience and everything so you're not going to get that in horsham or hatboro (laughs) there are some cool pieces of scenery there's um there's a clock on main street hatboro that's been here for like a hundred some years that is that is true um there's a really good empanada place too. <laughs> it so, is great. Yeah, a couple uh, local breweries. I mean, it, it's it's a nice local little downtown area. Absolutely, Hungry Moon. Yeah, Hungry Moon empanadas are awesome. Yeah, sponsor. Uh, hey. <laughs> uh, no, but for real. So back when I was teaching uh, furniture making in Philadelphia, um, at what will probably end up being our biggest competitor when we open, um, I used to effectively run their shop i was their shop foreman and i was their lead instructor and i was in charge of designing a lot of their classes and one of the most important um, parts when we were designing the curriculum for these classes was not only making sure that students walked out with a beautiful piece of furniture or a jewelry box or whatever it was but they also understood how to make the jigs and the fixtures and why we use those specific jigs and fixtures. Right, exactly. Because yeah. that that is one of the biggest <laughs> hurdles after the class when like you're all hyped up and you're like, hell yeah, man, I just made this kick-ass chair. And then you go home to your single car garage with Ryobi green tools. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're just kind of staring at it. And you're like, man, where the hell do I start? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, when, when you're designing classes, that's one of those important things is to make sure that they don't just walk away with a cool souvenir, but they walk away with the ability to do it on their own. Yeah, no, that's really, that is really cool. Um, I remember, I remember taking one of the classes and I forget, I forget which class. Oh, I think it was the, uh, it was the Adirondack chair. I think. So I made, so I made the Adirondack chair, which you can go buy plans online. It's not all that hard. Um, Overall, like the complexity of that chair is not, not that much, especially because it's screwed together. Yes. It's it's really not it's a really good beginner level like intro class. It is. And it didn't have it didn't have a lot of jigs. It had like maybe a but like even online you can buy patterns online and then just if you have a pattern bit you're like 90% of the way there. Absolutely. Pattern bit, a bandsaw and a screw gun. Yep. Is essentially really all you need to make an Adirondack chair. I think the hardest part I, like and so for a beginner the hardest part of that class was I think at some point you had to turn, you had to tilt the table to 45 yes. or 30 or something and then yeah. run that and like kind of ride it. And if there was drift, it's like combining the drift with the angle and you're just 
generally uncomfortable because you haven't used it, especially if someone had never touched a bandsaw. That yeah. I would imagine that's pretty uncomfortable. Um, but like that is a skill builder. Anytime you need to tilt the, you know, the table on a bandsaw, you could Absolutely. feel more comfortable doing it. So you at least are getting other skills besides just following instructions blindly. But yeah, no. So, but like a Windsor chair, I think that's one of those things where you've made a lot of things. You've always wanted to make a chair. Oh, absolutely. And chairs it's like are, chairs are the final frontier of woodwork. Absolutely. And you, you haven't, you haven't done, you know, you haven't used spoke shaves and cabinet scrapers and the saw, like the, um, the horse and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like all that stuff's just fun to do. Um, yep. At Maker Camp, that was literally something that was backed up the entire weekend where people just sitting at a shave horse, shaving down axe handles to fit into, like, the head of an axe. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly. all people were doing. They were sitting there for – and you could tell that, like, they just had so much fun that they were in no rush. They were just yeah. chilling there for, like, hours. Yeah. No, there's nothing better than just making shavings in your yep. shop. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's quiet. It's peaceful. It's, it's, I mean, it's damn near therapeutic. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely one of my favorite parts. I think one of the, one of the harder parts about the idea of having a class that's super popular, super well done, the instructor's great and people are like coming in from around the country. Now you have to get it home. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's been, that's been kind of an issue. I think for some people trying to get it home, they have to ship it. It's, yeah, like really expensive to ship this stuff. That is one of the downsides of a larger piece like that. Yeah, you are gonna after a certain amount of time, you're gonna you're gonna hit your saturated market. There's only so many yeah. people within driving distance that are gonna take a week off from work, right? And take your class exactly. So yeah. you're gonna have to expand <clears throat> your advertising. You have to hit markets the other side of the country, possibly yeah. other countries, and uh, to bring people in they're gonna have to fly yeah so yep transporting their project home is definitely gonna be a hurdle yeah but i mean clearly not an insurmountable thing no the nice part about this area is that we are packed with hotels and there are lots of them and a lot of them are actually pretty new yeah so yeah, people very, very fly in for class. they can they can easily stay over for pretty per you know for pretty cheap and all that but yeah i think I, I would like to expand that idea because originally the thought was you do classes and everything just to get people in the door. You don't have to have any interest really in woodworking. You bought it as a gift for somebody for Christmas who made something like, hey, want, want to go make like a coffee table in a class for two days or something. Yeah. And then they walk in, they walk through the shop and they're like, wow, this place is really cool. They love the class. And then that jump from a someone who's never done stuff, they took one class to a membership is a pretty far leap. I would imagine people are going to take several classes before they actually get kind of like the passion part of it enough to want to be in a shop. Um, Surprisingly, not the case that I've seen. Really? I have seen a lot of people that, at least from the classes that I've taught over the years, they take one class and they're hooked. Interesting. Yeah. Like I think, I think at the time, the only reason that I didn't was because it was too far away. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it was just far away enough, and the hours were just limited enough, where I just I couldn't I couldn't warrant it because I at that time I was working in an office like like eight to four or something like that. Ew. I would go. I know that's gross. Not anymore. Um, but I would either go to the gym right after work, be done. I'm like, all right, it's five thirty. 
kind of hungry. They're only open till like nine or like nine thirty or ten or whatever it was, yep. and it's a half hour to get there on a really annoying road outside of Philly. I'm like, eh. it's like I don't, I don't want to commit to that. So I ended up just uh, I ended up just passing and just waiting to build my own shop, which took long enough. But yeah, I mean that was that was really the hurdle. But I mean, I see some of these classes online that look just so much fun. I would love to, I would love to do something like that. Um, with our classes, make them popular enough where people are flying in just to take them. That'd be really cool. I had a, um, I had a class one time where I had students that flew in from Canada. Did you really? And that blew my mind. <laughs> it's like, so how'd you hear about us? <laughs> well, so they, they specifically flew in to take the table class that I designed. See, that's cool. Yeah, like that was that's really cool. Not gonna lie, huge ego boost. <laughs> huge. Oh, dude, I was I was untouchable. It was great. It's like so. Say again, why you guys got it? It's like you, we've explained this four times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that was definitely a major ego stroke. But um, no, it was it was a cool moment. It wasn't the first. It wasn't the last time that people had flown in for the classes. Yeah. But. That was the first time somebody told me that it was specifically for that table. Right, right, right. I was like, hell yeah, dude. That's cool. That's what's up. And that's the thing. You could make a very simple project as complicated as you want to fill up a whole week's class with joinery, with stuff, as long as it's not just overdone for the sake of being overdone. But like, you can make a really cool liquor cabinet that hangs on a wall. Sure. And you could do all through, you know, through mortise and tenon joinery. You can have it where it's in a style. You can... You can do a whole bunch of different stuff. You can book match and do figured wood and the panel in the front. You can do a lot of different things that people can definitely use in other projects too. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's going to be one of the cool things about having a week-long time frame to really dive into a class and kind of the theory behind furniture design. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of things that go into it between grain direction, wood expansion, um, where it's going to live, what it's going to be used for. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a million and one different things to consider. And when you have that kind of time, you can afford to spend six hours of essentially just classroom time where you're just literally just learning the theory behind the product that you're about to make. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, even something as simple as, well, what are you finishing your liquor cabinet with? It's like, are you going to spill alcohol on it ever? It's like, well, yes. Well, okay. That changes what finish you're going to use. Yeah. (laughs) Drastically. <laughs> it's just like little things like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm but I'm stoked. Um yeah, I mean people want to reach out with classes they've been looking for and haven't found. I'd be curious to hear if anyone has not found one, but there are there are a lot of places around the country that have these courses. It's just a matter of actually flying there. Do we have the ability to um do like a like a like a multiple choice Q and A thing for our listeners for them to like like a survey type thing. So there is there is stuff uh, there is stuff we're using we're using Streamyard for uh, for our podcast software. Shout out Streamyard. Yo, um, I th- they have they have a lot of stuff for if we're doing like live streams on Instagram and stuff like that. We can do polls and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I'll look into that. I I think that there is stuff like that. I just have not really dove in too much. Cool. Um. No, that'd be really cool. That'd be very cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have a topic, so that's kind of fun. Um, topic is working with designers. You love them, you hate them. 
They are a necessary part of the woodworking and furniture industry. Um, there's a lot that could be said about designers. Um, there's going to be some hot takes for sure. <laughs> if any of the designers that I work with are listening, I love you all. You are the best. Yeah. You guys <laughs> literally keep my doors open from time to time. And that's great. But good Lord. <laughs> Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> there, there it is. From the guy who did just make a memorial for a church. Well, okay. So that there was act. So, so that, okay. Good, good first topic or subtopic, I guess, to get into <laughs> figured. is the difference between a designer and the end customer. Yes. So that project, um, eventually I will post pictures of it online. Um, for anybody that has tried to look me up on Instagram or any other form of social media, it's sparse. I don't really do the whole social media thing all that much. 90% of uh, my business just comes from word of mouth. It's all local. Uh, luckily, I have a pretty good... Um, I've had a pretty good run with a lot of local customers that um, I can pretty much rely just on word of mouth. And it kind of keeps the doors open. Nice. I have a couple return customers, a couple return designers that I work with, and uh, they're fantastic. But um, so the church thing was a memorial that was made for a man's wife who passed away. And it was actually, it was for a local Catholic school that's also kind of a church. Um, and that was not, there was no designer involved. That was just the essentially just the end customer. They just had a, an idea, right? Yeah. So they, they actually came to me with a picture of a door that it looked like they um, like superimposed a Mother Mary statue onto in Microsoft Paint. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, they said, this door has a really nice arch and we like the decorative trim on the sides. And this is kind of the shape that we want. Yeah. General dimensions. Yeah. And uh, so, was that floor to ceiling? That was that was floor to ceiling. That was that nine and a huge, half, man. almost ten feet tall. That thing was huge. Um, yeah, it was it was a really cool piece to work on, and the sentimental value of it really made all of the uh, all the extra effort that went into it really worth it. Um, yeah, that was that was an interesting project design wise, uh, mostly just because I had just as much input into the design as the customer did. And uh, there was a definite, not really a language barrier, but a concept barrier between what I had in my head versus what they could visualize in their head. And uh, nine times out of 10, if I'm lucky enough to have a customer that really gives me a lot of free reign on the design for a project where they just want a say a dining room set and they know they want a bar height table they want four chairs for it and they want four smaller bar stools for a kitchen bar they have if they give you free reign and they just kind of say hey we like this color this is kind of the style of our kitchen show me what you got that's kind of the dream yeah um and then you have other customers where they will say that 
but they don't actually mean it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, are those you, the are those the clients that you're doing renderings for? Yes. Yeah. yeah so we'll. I mean, I so all my customers get a SketchUp rendering. Um, very, very broad strokes kind of rendering. Just gives them an idea of what it's going to look like. I usually don't provide dimensions. Yeah. I'll, I'll give yeah, like an yeah, overall yeah, yeah. dimension mm-hmm. just so they can make sure that it fits. If it's like a set of built-ins. Makes sense. But um, there's a lot of things, especially with the way that I do woodworking. I very rarely follow designs or plans. A lot of it is just kind of making it as I go. I have a really good understanding of how the pieces are going to fit together and the geometry usually works out. Nice. Um, You're touching on next week's topic. <laughs> I no. can t- I are know. we going deep on geometry? Dude, I know where I know where your brain goes now, and I've already mind mapped where your conversation and your ADHD brain is going. Oh, that's hot. And I have the next three topics, and you'll you'll actually get a kick out of it. You, you keep going. Um, <laughs> oh, Vic, where was I? I don't even know where I was. I was flowing. Next week. Um, next week's topic. Yeah, so Plans next for project topic. or just let it fly? That's literally what I've written down. Oh, dude, shoot from the hip, man. Let it fly. <laughs> let it fly with experience. Also very important, or else you make it a couple times. Yes. <laughs> So one of the important things is that I've been doing this now for almost 15 years. Most of the shops that I have worked in followed very, I worked in one shop for cabinetry that was very detail oriented and they had um, actual measured. You had like spec drawings for every piece. And that was God awful. That's not how my brain works. And uh, that's an ADHD nightmare. It is. It definitely is. Um, there's just like le- there's no creativity. There's no problem solving. There's no anything. It's like yeah, it's just once you figure out the, the order of operations, you're like, all right, well, yeah, I guess I'll just make all these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, most of the shops that I've worked for, it's a lot of um, kind of design on the fly woodworking mm-hmm. because you're. I so I started out in um, historic restoration and you can, somebody can drop off um, like a 19th century sideboard and they'll say, Hey, I want to restore it. I want to get like total tear down, redo all the joinery. Oh, wow. Like get rid of all the hide glue that's falling apart, Mm -hmm. put in modern fasteners, that kind of thing. And uh, nine times out of 10, when you take apart something that old, it never goes according to plan. No. Anybody that's worked on an old car or an old motorcycle yep. can test to that. Yeah. All I need to do is plane down this one edge over here. And it's like, yeah. you've just changed the dimension, which propagates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then back when I was working for the teaching shop down in Philadelphia, we would do private lessons mm-hmm. where just based on how the business was run, we didn't get a ton of lead time or description before the first meeting with a customer. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, because it was a, it was a fairly expensive private lesson, at least back then I was fresh out of college and it was, it blew my mind that people paid that kind of money to hang out with me. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so it was like a hundred or 120 an hour. And 
I I felt the need to give them the most value possible for right. their hour. Sure. So it was essentially performance woodworking. It was like design on the fly, <laughs> fix a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like somebody would come in and say like, hey, I have this one board that has been in my house since I moved in 60 years ago. I want to make a keepsake box out of it. Yeah. You could spend the next two hours talking about boxes. Yeah, exactly. And the theory of boxes and the yeah. different joinery options and et cetera, et cetera. Or you could just be like, all right, let's just run to the joiner and start yeah. Start making a box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Figure it out. I mean, that's the thing. When it, when it comes to furniture and woodworking, there's boxes and there's platforms. Mm -hmm. yep. And everything in furniture and woodworking is one of those two things if yep. you really distill it down. Yep. Yep. No, that makes um that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's because I've seen you I've seen you build stuff in here where you all you go a certain amount of a certain amount of way down the road and you're like, This isn't going to work. So I could either pivot or I can make it work. And yeah. there are times when you could do one and there's a time when it's more appropriate to do the other based on what it is. Especially if you're doing multiples. Like with yeah. the chairs, you're doing eight of them. It's like yeah. I have to figure out I have to figure out angles now because yep. this is not an on the fly thing. But at the same time, like you just repaired a chair that came in. It's like, well, this one needs to be repaired. I can't, I just got to make it work. So you're going to use whatever skills you've accumulated just to like figure out the angle now yep. on this one chair, because that's just all you have. Exactly. Yep. And um, for the most part, all the stuff that I make is hundred percent custom. Yeah. So I very rarely make like long lasting jigs and fixtures. Um, most of the jigs and fixtures that um, I use in the shop are just super glued MDF together. Yep. Um, figure out a shape that works and find a way to hold that piece of wood so that I can cut the same cut 85 times. Yeah. And then it's, trash yeah and then it's a, essentially it's a disposable fixture yep um honestly the ply the plywood and ca glue and some strips of whatever scrap are laying around have been the majority of mine as well yeah it's an essential way to do it i mean there's there's a million and one companies out there that sell all kinds of fancy 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 uh jigs and fixtures and they have really nice blue coloring to them and stuff <laughs> you mean but, is this when you're being vague Yes, <laughs> intentionally vague. Um, and they're great. If if that's how your brain works and you like having all of the nice name brand things in your shop, that's cool. Love that for you. Um, very rarely do I find those jigs working for me more than a handful of times. Yep. And then... As soon as I try to modify them to do one specific thing, then they're kind of shoehorned into that one yeah. specific role. Yep. And I have to buy another one. Yep. And another one and another one. Exactly. It's it's easier just to make your own. Yeah. It's more financially viable to make your own. Yeah. And so that's like that's that's a major uh, honestly, like a, an obvious difference between what I make and what you make right now, because a lot of what I make is not me designing it. Because I'm just not there yet. I'm not. I'm not making custom stuff and rendering it in in software and you know changing curves and dimensions. I just don't have the experience of designing. I'm I'm at the point now where I'm designing my first piece of furniture for a, a client. Luckily, she's a friend, so 
but at the same point at the same time that's kind of a double-edged sword because i want feedback on the design mm -hmm. but because it's a friend i'm not sure i'm gonna get honest feedback <laughs> i think it's gonna be like wow i love it i was like no but yeah uh, i need you to not like some parts yep. <laughs> i need you to give some sort of feedback so we'll see i'll i'll, I'll see if, i'll see if she's as, as honest as i want her to be but well, didn't, didn't you design mini's table i mean it's a trestle table i mean that's design is pretty All loose right. loose I mean, term there's, there's so much there's only there's so much you can, yeah thicknesses <laughs> <laughs> there was so i mean you know design uh, so that's the thing. I didn't design a trestle table. I just made one with the best knowledge that I knew of what a trestle table looked like. <laughs> that's right. really all I went with. All right, that's what most designing is. Uh, yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. So I don't. I you know I see I see some really nice, nice design features features of tables and benches and all this other stuff where it has nothing to do with the joinery. It has nothing to do with. You know, you're sitting on this piece or this piece or whatever. It's like extra pieces that are literally visually, visually appealing only. Yep. I do not, I do not have a lot of experience doing that kind of stuff. I've, I haven't studied history of furniture and okay. stuff like that. So that's where that's where my next learning is going to come through because I really do want to study a lot more of actual design and historical pieces and and all that. That's why I've been I've been watching a lot of the restoration that um. Uh, was his name um a youtube a youtube furniture restorer guy and sure i mean i'm sure if i looked him up everyone like oh, yeah i've seen stuff from him um he breaks down old furniture he repurposes old furniture he does a lot of full-out restorations from the ground up of every period but like he'll do stuff where he's restoring um you know an old an old bureau or something or an old high boy and it's missing the legs Sure. And they're turned legs. Mm -hmm. He knows they're turned legs because he's looking at the drawers and he's looking at the curves at the top and he knows what era and what style and what everything is from. So he's like, well, typically in this thing, they'd be turned like this, but I am going to change it a little bit because I want this to be a little higher. Like he gets into those real deep conversations where his customizations and his design are already based on something that is proven and exists mm -hmm. and is like historically accurate, which is really, really cool. I'd be careful how how deep down that rabbit hole you go. <laughs> really? Like, oh yeah, you're, you're. I'm sure that's. I'm sure it's a very deep if you hole. You start going into <laughs> like like historical correctness or furniture and restoration stuff. Yeah. You're gonna start reading up on like what type of trees went through a blight 200 years ago <laughs> right. that made yeah, a yeah, certain yeah. species of lumber readily available in a certain region. Yeah. And then you got to figure out what region that specific piece of furniture was made in. Oh jeez. Because like a certain <laughs> company could have. Uh -huh a shop in Boston, they could have had a shop in Chicago and they would have been made by local lumber and it was yeah. completely different. Right. Mm -hmm. And they would, they would stain it to look similar. Right. But also nobody was really traveling back and forth that often that could no. tell the difference. Right. 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 So. Mm -hmm. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Carrier pigeons were very slow back then. <laughs> yeah. I just love hearing about, I love hearing about houses that were built. Literally you just cut down the trees on the plot. And you build the lumber. We're, we're making the house out of this because we just cleared the lot. Yeah. And here's all of our lumber. So you have houses built with walnut because we had walnut. So much of it, actually, because we cut down 60 trees in this land. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff's crazy. I absolutely love that. But yeah, we actually we just um, finished up with a customer last fall that was um, with a sawmill. Oh, yeah. 
that he had, so he has probably 15 or 16 acres, about half an hour north of here. And it's honestly my dream property in the woods. It's close enough to civilization that you're 15-ish minutes away from yeah, it's not bad. Like actual shopping centers and grocery stores. But you can walk outside and not hear anybody. Um, nice. He, <laughs> over the course of about a year and a half, he had cleared um, probably collectively about an acre of the property and had pretty much just picked and cut the straightish ash logs. That's awesome. And this guy had... Yeah, I mean, you parked the mill there for like almost all of last season. Yes. Yeah, so the, the sawmill was pretty much at his property. Uh, we we left occasionally for other customers that popped up here and there, but we were on his property for the better part of a year. Um, nights, weekends, stuff like that. And we milled... Bob has an actual figure on it because he's a details guy like that. Um, but there were, I'm going to say upwards of 250 to 270 logs and they all got turned into four quarter, five quarter, six quarter, eight quarter dimensional lumber (laughs) and a couple beams. Wow. Yeah. And he's building an entire house. He's building an entire house, timber framing it all himself. Oh my God. And this man is in his seventies. God bless him. (laughs) I mean, that. It is one of the craziest things ever, but honestly, I mean, every day that we were out there, he had a, um, a skid steer of his own, and he was out there working with us every day. Didn't matter how warm or cold it was. And so that that is the funniest part of the story to me, considering he has a skid steer, he has that much land, so he has he has some cash. Oh, why yeah. why are you not just buying a sawmill? <laughs> just buy a sawmill yourself. It was so we had, we actually we brought that up to him when it's we like, first dude, went there. It's not that much. Like pe- people buy sawmills for a lot less, lot less of a job than that. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. No. I mean that. We brought that up when we first did our initial consult with him, and we went and like surveyed the land and really kind of assessed what he had there, because we we get so many calls where somebody says, "Oh, I have a whole mess of logs." Yeah. Three. And we go out, <laughs> and it's like a handful of gnarly logs at most you can get like a three foot straight section out of them. That's eight inches wide. But, um, when we went out, we, we asked him, we were like, yeah, why? Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take do it. Yeah. We'll oh, yeah. all this lumber. Why not just buy your own sawmill and just like have, have fun. You already have the skid steer. Yeah. Like you know, at that point, most of the physical labor is just pushing it off of the log after you've cut it. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, after that, and he was he was more than capable of doing all of that labor. Yeah. Um no, it turned out um never confirmed by him, but in my mind, he was just paying for companionship. He just wanted to hang out with Bob. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, that's true. Yeah. Can't wait to have Bob on. Bob, I mean, we're going <laughs> to we're going to have to record it a little bit earlier. Uh yeah, you know, Bob's been in bed for a while. Yeah. But it'll be a good episode for sure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so back to designers. Yeah, so I mean, I've worked, I've worked with several of them, mostly recently. Um, uh, this one designer, she is amazing. All the stuff that she does is amazing. She does all of her homework. She's traveling to New York to do 
research on like swatches and samples and she's going to all these high-end stores to get the best fabrics and the best tile and all those kinds of she does a lot of homework to so that she can recommend the nicest products to clients and she tells clients when what they are talking about is gonna look horrible like she just she she says it and he's right most of the time because Mm -hmm. she sends me pictures like look at this i'm like ooh. Like, yeah. yeah, I had to I had to tell this client that. Um, so she knows when she knows when to step in and really disagree with a client because just it's not gonna work aesthetically and other people will realize that you just don't see it. Um, so she knows how to do that and she knows how to say, you know what, that rule can be bent because you're really like you're really set on that. And it's actually not gonna break the whole design. It's fine. Um, but she's also able to price it because she asks my opinion on cost before she suggests things which oh god i love that which is awesome because she could sell someone on a design and then they're already talking budget before they even hired her yes and then she's like yeah so okay so you just need this bench and this table cool all right well we were talking about budget so let me go get the woodworker to see um, if you can make a dining room table and chairs and a bench for like a thousand dollars. It's like that, that doesn't work. (laughs) Um, So she is really good about that. Other designers, like someone, someone kind of recently within the first 10 minutes came in and were, was asking my opinion on if this looked good. And something that he came up with. Hate to see I'm it. like, um, that's, a bad, that's a bad over. That is, that is already not my area of expertise. Yeah. Now, because he was talking about color, he's like, and I was like, I've never seen this person's house. Uh-huh. So what you're describing to me could really be in any situation. So I don't even know. In a perfect situation, that probably does look good. But I have no idea whether to say it either way. You shouldn't be asking me to begin with. Oh, yeah. You should be asking me to make something that yeah. you've designed. Yeah. I mean, every, everything can look good somewhere. Yeah. But if you're coming in asking the manufacturer, hey, what do you think of this design as the designer? Yeah. It, we, don't, we don't really take you seriously after that. That's, no, not really. You lost, you lost a lot of footing. Absolutely. So that's the thing. The homeowner asks, asks you to design something, fine. Yeah. They're, you're just working directly with them, cool. Even, even a contractor, if they're asking me, it's like if they're just – the person doing a lot of the installing and yeah. whatever fine you can ask my opinion because i'm used to giving it to be honest mm-hmm. um when you're an actual designer coming in and your job is designing the things asking me my opinion is is weird <laughs> um especially when they've asked me my opinion and i completely disagreed which was my first gut reaction i'm like oh, yeah. ooh, that kitchen island seems enormous like yeah. Why why is that kitchen island 70 inches wide and like eight feet long? I was like, that is not a kitchen island. That is yeah. a very large dining table. That is an actual geographical feature island. Um, and then it got to the point where it inevitably goes um, working with some designers where it was, so you're cantilevering 24 inches off the edge? Which, I mean, there are some times where that's acceptable. With no support? With very specific engineering, <laughs> right? This was it a cabinet with a counter. I was like, "Ooh, yeah." Uh, and the way that it was, it was going to be 
along the edges. Like it was literally going to be the weak direction of the wood. I was like, you absolutely need to be putting metal supports in there or brackets or legs on the end or like absolutely something. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was my first, which again, I didn't, I got rubbed the wrong way because he was asking my opinion. I got rubbed further the wrong way because I disagreed. And then when he disagreed with my disagreement and I made it and the client saw it, they said, that needs to be smaller. (laughs) And then he brought it back. And we cut it back down. Gotta love that. I was like, Ugh. honestly, because I just I get I just get annoyed with designers that come to me for a design because they're getting paid to design something by the end customer, right? Like, yes, they're already getting paid that. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why am I sitting in a meeting with you and the end customer when you're essentially just a broker at this point? You're not. You're yeah. not even a designer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're essentially they're essentially an art broker. Yeah. Like I'm putting you in touch with the artist in in this regard, the woodworker yeah. who's able to make stuff. Like it's it's bananas <laughs> how that works. It is. It's weird. And there's because well, so here's the problem. The problem is when the end the, when the client doesn't like it or they want something changed, and then they again already had a budget. And they had agreed upon costs and prices and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're now talking to you through the designer. And then you're giving a price to the designer, which is getting back to the customer. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what they did with that number. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the other parts. That it's just awkward. I, I've worked with a couple designers over the years that obviously put a markup on the price that I give them. Yeah. And they're very clear about that. Sure, and They'll that's say, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like they they're very clear about it when the, when they start talking to me, they say, "Hey, look, we're going to be adding something to this, obviously. So all of your estimates, your paperwork goes to us. Yeah, right. All of your checks are going to come from, from us. us. Right, and that's great. Yeah. I have I have no problem with that. That's right. That's your job. And sure, you're gonna you're gonna design things. You're gonna make money off of the labor of other people and. That's fine if you're upfront about that. Yeah. But just essentially sitting there while I design something and then collecting off of that, that's trash. Yeah. yeah. Do better. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> right. Like that that's that's some pedestrian effort. Yep. Well, and what's funny is that this this latest designer that I had this issue with, they at and luckily luckily the the client was a great client. Because they let a lot of that stuff kind of roll. Um, they originally had me do these uh, these slats in in maple. It was, a, it was a kitchen island, and it was a walnut top. And they wanted some vertical slats on the body of the uh, of the cabinetry of the island. And it was going to look cool. Whatever, it's a design feature. It was it was something other than just a plain cabinet. So I made it out of this figured this figured maple. And I asked the designer when I got the maple, I said, this is not maple that you find in Home Depot that is clean and clear and it could be any light wood. What I have is highly figured. There's a lot of knots. There's a lot of character in it. It's what, you know, flooring would be considered character grade flooring. So it has a lot of imperfections in it. It has a lot of discolorations in it, all this kind of stuff. It's like, is that good? And I was asking the designer specifically because he's the designer. He said, more figure the better. That's going to look great. Woof. That was like a, 
And that was literally just a gut reaction from him immediately said, yeah, that's going to look great. Within a five seconds of text message back, I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, no way he cleared that with a client. Not a chance. He yeah. definitely didn't ask them. But he said fine, spent their money, essentially, because I originally found this lady. She reached out to me on Google Maps. That's how she found me. That's a wild way to find somebody. Quarter of my business is Google Maps. People literally are like looking for a woodworker in Pennsylvania anywhere and like are reaching out to like three or four of them. Huh. Bizarre. But that's crazy. Yeah. But um so, so I was talking to the client first. Then she said, I'll have my designer reach out to you now that I found someone, because I guess he didn't have anybody. So she Ooh, found somebody. So equally it's, bad stuff. Dude, it was a weird situation like, if you're the designer and you your end customer is finding yeah crafts people yeah like you already look. you already don't have them vetted you don't know yeah. what they're capable of exactly. i literally could have just started out of my garage and this guy's having me make furniture in a completely renovated kitchen brand new like forty thousand dollar kitchen mm-hmm. i was like that's not a good look but anyway i mean you just have one of those faces that people trust <laughs> uh they haven't learned <laughs> But he has, so he didn't clear the maple with the client. I make it. The contractor picks it up. The contractor, who was just doing the installing, was like, huh. I was like, well, that's a choice. I was like, what's that? He goes, it's going to look weird. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, I know, because we're doing a walnut top and highly figured maple for <laughs> slats underneath. Um, in a kitchen that's very white and very gray. And it's just out of the blue. You have all this texture and all this variance. Um, so he goes, huh, all right, whatever. He goes and installs it. He was gone maybe two hours. He installed three or four of them and called the client in. And she goes, what the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, good for him. He, he immediately good knew, I'm not going to continue doing this because this looks like hell. Yeah, it's a waste of time at that point. Yeah. So And so the whole problem is because the designer did not have the me – vetted he didn't know what i who i was he didn't have his own design set and he didn't check with the client he had me make this the client paid for it and then when it came back they said you know what all those slats really need to be walnut to match the countertop i was like well that makes sense okay i was like but that's that's not like a mistake where i can like take it into the shop and like change a stain or cut it down or like i have to go buy a lot of walnut and military it's essentially the exact same operation i just did so yeah, with more I, expensive raw with materials. With more expensive raw materials. So yeah. I need to I need to charge them to do it again. Like it's a it's a new it's a new commission for me at this point. Yeah. And he's like, point. okay, sure. And I sent it to them and the clients were like, fine, we'll pay you in full. Like they I feel like they were at the point where if they were interacting with this designer for that entire project, they were probably just like, I want this done now. I don't care how much it costs. Absolutely. They're yeah. like, just get it done. Um, yeah, I've, I've come into a project late like that Yeah, after somebody essentially rage quit on another designer maker combination. Yep. And it's, it's, it's sad in a way, because I mean, you can tell that these people, like this is their home. Oh, and they're defeated. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're Uh, defeated. And if any of my future clients are listening to this, that's actually a way to get a lot more out of me for your money. Yeah, because I will always throw in, not not really like freebies or bonuses, but like, well, we're definitely willing to go the extra mile 
if it really looks like you've just had a bad time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I, true. It is true. I'm 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 a sucker for a sob story. Yeah, Always have yeah. Been. Uh huh. And and that's and that's the thing. It's like they just they just wanted it done. So I'm like, fine. I and that's the thing on my end. The only thing I could do on my end is like I'm not going to charge you rush, a rush upcharge or anything. Yeah. I know you want it done. I will prioritize that to get that done my Absolutely. next project as soon as I can and just get it to you. Yep. Um, and that and they were like, fine. So and they understood. Like this thing having a lead time of six to eight weeks. And be like, you know what? You have to spend the next three days in the shop specifically for the surprise thing, and everything else has to wait. Yeah, it sucks for every other client that I have, but it's like, you know, they got to understand that half this business is keeping and building relationships so that they come back. Absolutely. You know, if they just did a full renovation of their entire house, you can you can guarantee that a little bit down the road they're going to want a new table, they're going to want a new built-in or mantle or whatever. Sure. So it makes sense to do that. Or their friend is going to come over to see what you what you made. Absolutely. And again, that's for the most part is why I don't really advertise on social media. Right. Yeah. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally it's all word of mouth. Because I mean, with word of mouth advertising, you're talking to somebody that you're getting a good recommendation if they're talking about you. For the most part. Yep. If they're talking to that person the price that they paid for it is probably going to come up in one way or another. It is. Absolutely. So they already have an idea roughly of what you charge. Yep. They have a very firsthand experience of your quality yep. and your craftsmanship. Uh-huh. And a recommendation from a friend is always going to carry way more weight than Google Maps. Absolutely. No, it totally is. Absolutely. And that and that's literally been some of my best my best experiences with clients have been word of mouth recommendations every time because they're already vouching for you. You already kind of go in with a sense of pride. Like you came to me because you've liked my stuff already. Yeah. Like this is, this is going to be really well. And this is going to go really well. And then they say like, Hey, can you design a table? I want something pretty cool yeah. in this color. It's like, you've just checked three boxes already. You're giving me some creative freedom. Yep. You know what I cost. You like my stuff. And you gave me at least one thing that I need to make this process go smoothly. Yep. Like you gave me a species of wood or a color at least. It's like, good. A lot, a lot less guesswork now. Yeah. The only way that you can feel better about yourself is if they like flew in from Canada for it. And then you make them explain it a couple times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. What's up, Tony? <laughs> is Tony listening to this? Does, Tony listen. Yeah, Tony listen. Yeah. What is up, Tony? <laughs> Cause you don't know. Tony lifts. Very, very heavy things up in Canada. It's less because it's Canada, because it's in, what, kilograms? So it's less, but it still sounds like a lot. Roughly, so... Just just go with it. <laughs> so, I'm actually going to completely disagree with that. Ah, so, I, I went to a new gym recently. <laughs> um, I'm 100% cheating on my current gym. And... Um, all of all of their um, like calibrated lifting plates and everything are in kilograms. Yeah, that would that would screw me up. And good lord, I I had I honestly had no clue what I was lifting half the time. <laughs> I knew I was going by feel. Honestly, it was crazy. So you know, what you're saying is the makerspace should be in metric. Oh oh man, oh, man. that's. 
Okay, so I've been I I've gone down other rabbit holes about maybe that's not a horrible idea, but then I can't find any tools. <laughs> oh, dog, you are you're just not looking at the right tools. I'm not you're looking, looking at, at the very expensive ones. I was going to say you're not looking <laughs> at American market tools. Uh, right. Oh. So <laughs> my uh my background in foreign equipment and tool and die making um i tend to do everything in decimals so i i very rarely use fractional measurements as it is in the wood shop (laughs) um personally i'm a really big fan of millimeters and just base 10 in general that could be fun it's that could really screw some people up but that could be fun it's a terrible business move on your part because <laughs> i feel like that's just that's just going to turn people away <laughs> they go over the table so i'll be like what am i looking at yeah i never mind i'm out <laughs> like all of this way all of the plants that people are going to be buying oh, yeah. offline no, none of them would work all inches no, none of them would work yeah <laughs> no um yeah no personally i measure almost everything in here um by decimal just it's just that's how i was raised you do you do know your way around a uh what are those things called the little mic micrometers things Mi- micrometers what, what, what's that thing called it's, your gauge thing well so there's there's calipers <laughs> your your fancy mechanical calipers are very yeah, so very cool calipers <laughs> it's are- fun it's like hey read this so like i don't i i don't know what i'm like <laughs> and then there's micrometers <laughs> Um, for the most part, <laughs> micrometers are seldom used in the woodworking world. <laughs> just, just for the sheer fact that over the course of an afternoon, a piece of wood can swell or shrink by mm-hmm. thousandths of an inch here and there. Especially in here. Yeah, our, our shop is very, very dry. Yeah. And it's wonderful. I mean, it, it's great. We can bring lumber I'd ra- in. I'd rather that problem than the opposite problem yes. when I was in my basement next to my sump pump. Yeah. yeah wasn't that's, great. That's that's very suboptimal. Yeah, no. Wood, wood equilibrium inside my basement was around 11, 12. Oof. Yeah. It was not great. And then I would make it and then give it to someone whose house was fully HVAC'd. Yes. And it shrunk. Yeah. So one of the things that... Um, that I do a lot of times when I go to people's houses is I actually have a small moisture meter, mm-hmm. like a humidity meter. Oh, for the, for their actual yeah. like inside, like relative humidity and everything. Yep. That's cool. And then knowing that that factors into how tight I'll make joinery. That's pretty fun. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or doors and drawers. Things mm-hmm. like that. that makes sense. Um, because there's, especially working. So I, I learned that lesson the hard way. The, the huh. first couple projects that I did in the shop, yeah, I got a call back. Something's um, cracking or something. The well, so the first the first three dining room tables that I made in here were breadboard tables, mm-hmm. and uh, as breadboard tables tend to do, over time they swelled, and the breadboard ends no longer matched. Their, yeah, right. Yeah. The table. Sure. But. It was, it didn't, so when they called me, it had swollen in the winter time. That makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> so oh, wow. it had the 
the first two tables were delivered um, October and then November, and the second one was delivered in early, early January. And uh, I think I got a call back from the first ones by the end of January. They swelled in January after they left this bone dry shop. Yes. So they, they went wow. from this shop, which is the equilibrium in this shop, it's over low. time, it's depending low. on how long the pieces have been in here, it's right around seven-ish percent, eight mm-hmm. percent over yep. time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these these houses that they're going to are climate controlled. Yep. Especially in the wintertime, people run humidifiers and things. Yes, absolutely. So their houses, turns out, were right around like 10-ish percent. Yep. And it's like, and if that just swole in a month in the dead of winter, yes. I don't want to even talk to you about July and August because the breadboard's going to just break off. Exactly. Point. So all three of those tables ended up coming back. Yep. And I essentially refitted different breadboards onto yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gone back for repeat business from those people. Yeah. And it's usually. I mean, it, it's pretty darn close. Yeah, depending yeah. on the time of year. So it's um, what's interesting is I can bring if I know that I'm going to be using a couple slabs from the lumberyard, I can bring them in here, chop them down, and just keep them in the shop for not that long. And they really, it just sucks moisture completely out of them just Absolutely. being in here. Crazy. And it, and you would think it's just because like so our shop is in an old, in an old like rivet factory. Um, but it's just an old factory in general. It's all concrete and brick. And we have the huge factory windows as pretty much an entire wall of the shop. And during that's where the sun sets. So it's hot as hell in here uh, in the summer, in the spring, in the early fall when it's like sundown and everything. And you would think it was just that, but it's like that all the time. <laughs> like yep. all the time it's dry in here. Yes. And it's not like we even have sealed floors. No. Right? It's just nope. a concrete slab. Yeah, just a concrete slab, but the... It's um, just so old that the concrete has shrunken so much over however long it's been here. There's no pores left for moisture or something. It's it's just crazy how dry it is. Yeah, the, win- the windows really turn this place into a greenhouse. Yep. And from like yeah. 2 o'clock in the afternoon until uh-huh. about 4.30, depending on the time of year. But um, it is almost unworkable in the shop it's very very bright it's it's you certainly notice how much dust is in the air at those times you do (laughs) so those and honestly those times are good for different tasks in the shop like if you're trying to if you're sanding a large table surface and you want to find any flaws Uh the golden hour is the time to find them yep absolutely but yeah no that's our uh, that's our spiel on designers i guess I I still I love some designers I've worked with. Others, you know, maybe not so much, but maybe that relationship could be improved. But uh overall, you know, they still they still bring in business. Um so continue to do that. <laughs> please. Please do that. Yeah, please please bring in the business. <laughs> um no yeah, for all if any of the designers that I have worked with over the years are listening to this and you can tell who you are from our stories that's good 
Self-aware. <laughs> that's good. You're self-aware. Nice. And that's a good thing. It is. That's step one. Yeah. Step one is being self-aware. Exactly. Nice. Well, uh, I think that's probably going to wrap it up this time. We're uh, Yeah, we're right at an hour. Look not, at that. Not bad. Not bad at all. And it's definitely your bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I've been up since like 4 o'clock this morning. Nice. Well, um, you know, if you want to support the show, that'd be great. Uh, we definitely would appreciate it. Um, if you have the means and the desire to do so, all proceeds are going to go towards Monco Makers and the opening sometime this year. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash Monco uh, Makers. And then um, you can find me online, Instagram, and wherever at Woshop Woodworking. You can find Jake over there at J Rosser Design. Eventually, I will get around to posting. He pictures. might post something. Yeah. There, there's a couple. You've, couple done a, you've done a lot recently. I have not posted. It's been a year. It has been a, a solid year. And I think the last couple of things you posted were like reposts. Yeah. Yeah. I just, so for a while I got, I got into doing, um, stuff that I just didn't want to post. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that comes to the shop that just, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not worth it. I mean, it's, it's stuff that keeps the lights on essentially, but it's not stuff that I want to be doing. And I feel that if I just post it, that's all I'm going to end up doing. Yeah, that's true. So I, I try to post some of the stuff that I want to end up doing. And then I just forget how to social media <laughs> and I don't post things for an entire year. So frustrating thing for me is I've done a lot of architectural stuff in the past year and I've been giving them to contractors and then I never hear back. I don't hear if it went well. I don't hear if there are issues. They, I don't know if it's even installed. Uh, found out the church windows I made not installed. Really? So I'm, I made eight six-foot-tall uh, louvered church windows with, like, an arch shape and everything. Um, my friend lives near that church, and she said, yeah, no, those are definitely the original windows still in there. Unless they painted them the exact same color. But when she sent me a picture, they're definitely the original ones still. Hmm. So somebody paid me a decent amount of money to recreate antique windows and then I never used them. <laughs> that is... Uh, I don't... I don't get it. It's just throw away money for them, I guess. I don't know. Because that was a lot of work to do those. Yeah. But um yeah, anyway. Yeah, so we'll uh we'll try to keep this going. Um we'll see maybe maybe next week, maybe two weeks. But um, you know, thanks for thanks for listening if you uh if you made it this far. And we'll see you next time. Later.